Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we are getting into trade rumors. Gavin, we're just a day away from when players signed over the summer can be included in trades. Of course, that means that the rumor mill is starting back up, and the Knicks have found themselves in the mix for a couple of players uh, that are sort of of note right now on the trade block. I mean, Miles Turner, the maybe the number one name to know. Uh, we've seen reports of that for a couple of weeks, but something a little bit more concrete today is Ian Begley of SNY put out a potential package that the Knicks could trade for Turner. So we'll get into that. And then Ben Simmons, some speculation from the athletic Sham Sarania that the Knicks are one of the teams involved in conversations for him. So we'll talk about those two and so much more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starks with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. This episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you don't want or need and can even negotiate better deals on those you want to keep. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play man's favorite play-by-play man. And this is Locked on Knicks. We wanted to thank you guys for always making Locked on Knicks your first listen every day. We're available on all your favorite podcast platforms and also YouTube now. If you wouldn't mind going there, dropping us a subscription, maybe like a couple videos. Even if you don't plan on utilizing that all the time, definitely helps us out a ton. And uh, Gavin, as we teased in the opener here, I'll present the the first bit of news here. So Indiana's in a fire sale mode. We might still do a little Pacers crossover with a uh, Pacers person coming up soon to discuss these things further. But uh, Miles Turner is one guy that has come up in conjunction with the Knicks, even before the Pacers were in fire sale mode. That's a name that we had heard a little bit over the summer. And uh, so Ian Begley today, took a question, like a mailbag question, which he answered on Twitter. Actually, one of our frequent mailbag uh, question askers, Yoram Lakaj. Uh, shout Lakage out to on Twitter. Yeah, shout all, out to Yoram. All-time great fan. All-time. All-time great Locked On Knicks fan, on top of just being a great Knicks fan in general. Um, and Yoram had asked, how real is the Turner chatter? Would a package with Mitch, Kemba, or Grimes, Knox, uh, and expiring, and say the Hornets first be enough? So Ian Begley looking... Super stylish in his uh, glasses and backwards cap, a, a more relaxed look for him on Twitter for once. Uh, mentioned, and I'll just kind of, you know, I, I won't uh, read his whole quote or whatever, but more or less said, Mitch, quote unquote, seemed to be the most likely or seems to be the most likely name to potentially be included. Said that Indiana would probably prefer Mitch to uh Nerlens Noel for example just because of contracts the fact that he's an expiring that they can make a decision on him this this upcoming summer rather than being tied to him with any sort of money uh also mentioned that one of Obi or Quickly would quote unquote uh need to be included to satisfy Indiana's needs 
and then also mentioned a future first round pick also did say that because of the fact that he's a rookie and that he hasn't had that much NBA playing time yet. And that Indiana wouldn't be as uh, familiar with him that Quentin Grimes would be considered more of a secondary piece compared to Obi or quickly also mentioned that like in an ideal world, obviously Indiana would want RJ Barrett to be on the table, but that the Knicks would probably consider him to be off the table. So Gavin, I'll throw it to you. How do you want to react to, to that trade package first? Maybe we could just kind of say like, is that good? Is that too much? Uh, like, what would we be comfortable paying for Turner? Should we even be targeting a player like Miles Turner for the Knicks? Like, what, what are some thoughts you have on this? Yeah, so immediately I'm torn, right? Because my first instinct is like, no, I never want to trade Emmanuel quickly or Obi Toppin. And then I, I think I ask myself the question that we all have to ask ourselves from time to time. Am I overvaluing my guys over someone who is objectively better? So to figure that out, I did I did a statistical deep dive on a Miles Turner, a, a, a medium dive, I'll say. Um, but he's he's having a career season, right? A career high, uh, 84th percentile in the league in points per shot attempt. So obviously that's a measure of efficiency. Over the last five seasons, he has never been higher outside of this one than the 54th percentile, 87th percentile in effective field goal percentage. Um, he, he hasn't even been above league average in that category since his rookie season. The, the big deal, if you, if you want to look at what these basic stats are translating for is he's having a career year shooting the three ball, normally like a 34 percent, three point shooter, maybe not even like, like he has a reputation for being a great gunner. I don't know if he totally lived up to that until this year, this season, a 40% three point shooter right around five attempts per game. So that is pretty significant. And the other area he's gotten way, way better is as a mid-range shooter, someone who, again, was was pretty average in that capacity relative to his position. I think he's considered a power forward by cleaning the glass, even though he mostly plays center for Indiana. He's a 90th percentile uh, mid-range shooter for the Pacers. Um, a fantastic shot blocker, as we all know, leading the NBA in block shots for the second consecutive year. Um, so all that being said, like on paper, that's that's pretty much exactly what the Knicks need, right? A less cramped floor, someone to protect the rim defensively on the other end. I, I guess the question you have to be asking yourself is, is there more potential there for Turner? And there was this huge piece in The Athletic this week where Turner has made that case himself, right? He, he thinks he has a lot more potential. He had a 40-point game earlier this season, and, and he's essentially saying... I've had three coaches in three years. I've, I've been asked to to sort of sacrifice my offense to be a defensive first guy. I've been asked to sacrifice my position so DeMontis Sabonis can thrive. I want to be in a situation where I can go out and, and be the best Miles Turner that I can be. And then if you're in New York, you have to ask, all right, is that a player with delusions of grandeur? Or is there something more in there? And, and and is this guy someone with seven seasons into his career, but only 25 years old, someone with unlocked with with untapped potential, excuse me. And I think that ceiling has to be pretty high to justify giving up one of Emmanuel quickly or Obi Toppin, because as you noted, Alex, it's not it's not just those two, right? There'd be more to the trade. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I kind of struggle to decide if I wanna if I would want to make this trade or not. You know, I think that there's something to be said where we've literally been having discussions recently about Julius Randall and like, Oh, how real were those shooting improvements he made last year? And, you know, it, Oh, Julius was a, you know, his career best prior to last year was like 35% from three. And then he shoots over 40%. And now this year, I mean, I think if I was a betting man, I would probably say eventually he'll even out at around 35% again uh, on a little more of a diet of self-creation and stuff. But, you know, by and large taking sort of a step back, uh, shooting the three ball this year. So do we have that to worry about with Miles Turner, you know, who isn't due for a payday immediately? Like he's not a free agent this year, but I think it's year after next he becomes a free agent. So you're getting 
only for sure a year and a half of Miles Turner, and then you're going to have to pay him and probably pay him pretty handsomely if he can continue what he's doing or he doesn't continue what he's doing. And then you sort of are left with this difficult decision of like, do we sort of overpay this guy uh, to keep him around or do we, you know, let him go, which then stings because you just gave up a pretty decent trade package for him a year and a half ago. Um, I guess we'll see if they decide to ultimately pull the trigger, but I feel like the trade package is pretty high based off what Begley was saying. Like I would much sooner try to throw, like if you could get away with, you know, the two surplus first round picks that you have hanging around. So the Dallas pick uh, for next year and the Charlotte pick for this year, get away with those plus, you know, just making the salaries work on basically like, I mean, as much as I'd hate to do it, because I, I still do think that he could work out really good. But like, let's say you do Mitch and, you know, then you just kind of make the salary stack up till they till they work with, you know, maybe Noel, just throw him in there because you figure then you could still have some OB small ball minutes, whatever, uh, and still have Taj Gibson on the roster. So let's say for salary purposes, you do Noel, Mitch, Kevin Knox, I guess, and you know, maybe like Deuce McBride or something to make the salaries work, give them like a young prospect, even if it's one that hasn't really played in the NBA yet, um, and a couple picks instead of giving them one of IQ or OB, then maybe I'd be more on board with it. Um, of course, you also have like an absolute war chest full of second round picks at this point, uh, maybe even a second war chest at this point uh, that you could dive into. Uh, the Knicks have, I think, like seven second round picks next year. So there's no way you could possibly use all those. So toss a couple of those in just as a sweetener and see what that can get you for a team that clearly wants to go into rebuilding mode. I may be into that, but I I think that based off where this team is at, I don't think that Turner is going to, you know, maybe he thinks that he still has another gear to tap into. Maybe he's correct. I don't know if the Knicks in the position that they're in right now can take that chance unless they're sure that he's got that other gear to tap into because as he currently stands, I don't think that he's good enough to propel them to another level that would justify the cost of giving up one of their top. It You could easily say right now, Quentin Grimes outburst aside, one of their top three young players on the team right now that are very critical to the long run of this team and, and how they could potentially fare down the line because of their affordable contracts and already established talent. So I, I struggle a bit to include one of IQ or OB, and I think that would sort of be my sticking point if I was at the negotiating table here. Yep, I'm I'm pretty much on the same page as you, but I'll, I'll expand on that in just a sec because we need to take a second to tell everyone about Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. These companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts, and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash MBA. Go right now, Truebill.com slash MBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash MBA. And today's show is also brought to you by Stance. And let me tell you guys, my, I might have been a, a, a bad guy a little bit. I I saw a little sneak peek of my Christmas gifts the other day. 
and I saw some New York Mets stance, stock, stance socks in there, and I'm very excited to get those on Christmas Day because stance socks are colorful, they're comfortable, they're very well made, super soft, entirely unique, and they're so much fun to wear compared to just normal, regular old black socks or whatever. You can really turn some heads uh, while also being incredibly comfortable. The Mets ones in particular got a cool Mets logo and like the New York City skyline. Pretty sweet if you're a Mets fan. I'll definitely check them out. They're the official sock of the MLB, if I'm not mistaken. Founded in 2009, Stance Apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel. With a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity, Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression. Because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. And, and, you know, I already mentioned, like, the Mets designs, super cool. I'm a, I'm a huge Mets guy, but, you know, this is actually going to be my first pair of stance socks, and I'm pretty sure that once I get that first pair, you know, I'm definitely the type to stack up on, on things if I decide that I like them. And I think I'm going to have to take advantage of some of the other great collaborations. They've got, like, Wu-Tang Clan, Batman, Star Wars, The Office, Harry Potter, Disney, Marvel. You guys all know what a what a huge nerd I am. Uh, the MLB, and of course the NBA. There's some sweet Knicks socks as well. I think there's some full-length uh, Patrick Ewing ones that would be pretty cool and be a conversation starter at some Knicks games. So uh, can't wait to get those. Can't wait to add to my Stance collection. And Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in. So those that feel good, do good. Go see for yourself. Register for an account at Stance.com and you'll get 15% off your first purchase Use promo code locked on at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with stance. All right, Gavin. So uh, moving us right along here, I'll uh, I'll just throw it to you to rebut. Was uh, what do you think about the the trade package that our our buddy friend of the show Ian Bagley reported for SNY? And uh, what's sort of your limit that you would touch on for uh, a Miles Turner trade? Yeah, so maybe I'm, I'm going to look at this a little differently. I think if you're the Knicks, it all comes down to what direction do you want to go in and and what do you see as the ceiling of this team? Like, Let's just say best case scenario for Turner, right? He, he not only brings the production that he's brought to Indiana this year, he actually does have another level and he becomes a guy who puts up something like 20 points per game, eight rebounds, three blocks, still shooting insanely efficiently in the Knicks. They, they rollick their way to, I don't know, the number five seed, maybe go out in six or seven games in the first round. That's great. Um, then you, you have one more year of Miles Turner, maybe he keeps it up, and then all of a sudden you have to give him a giant contract after that season. And you're still probably paying, well, I guess that would be the last season you're paying. Uh, you, you still have one more season paying Evan Fournier. You're still paying Julius Randle. Presumably you've given RJ Barrett a contract somewhere around $90 million to $100 million. And all of a sudden that's your team. And that's not a team that has a exceptionally high ceiling. Of course, you're New York. Maybe you get a, a Zach Levine-esque free agent. Maybe you um, trade for Damian Lillard. And maybe that all works out. But all of a sudden, there, there's a lot of money on guys that are, are good, but not great players. Um, the other way you can go if you're New York is you say, I want to play this out with Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin. And odds are they're not going to be star guys. 
but maybe that gets you a draft pick who could be a star guy, or maybe you you find a way to trade for a, a super young talent on another team and you give up someone like Julius Randle or like, I mean, this is something I suggested for Ariel, but like some kind of trade based around like RJ Barrett and stuff for Jonathan Kuminga. And like not that's, that's a completely different topic for another day. But the point is you find a way to get a young star to build around when right now the Knicks have all these young pieces that are ideal compliments to that eventual young star that the Knicks will hopefully find a way to get. So it's, it's just two different deals. It's two different timelines. I think it's been pretty clear that this front office favors the former and they want to get as good as possible, as quickly as possible. I think you would just have to look forward and say, what is the real upside of getting Miles Turner? And that's why I think I would lean towards standing pat, unless, of course, your scenario plays out, Alex, where you can get Miles Turner for a whole lot less. And to me, that's so contingent on what the market ultimately is for him. And I can't imagine it's that great because there are so many teams trying to win now that don't really have the young assets that the Knicks do. I just don't really see like, like there are plenty of teams that would be interested in him. I don't see teams that would blow away the Knicks offer. And if you're New York, even if you, I mean, like God forbid after the game, he just had, even if you have to build the package around Grimes, that's something I'd be more comfortable with than IQ or OB going out. And and it may be a fair middle ground for the Pacers. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, when you look at some of the contending teams, I think one of the only ones that, if they had a mind about it to really compete with the Knicks and other teams that wanted Turner that could really make some noise would probably be like the Warriors, um, which who's to say that they would even necessarily be interested in that, but they have three young players that I don't necessarily know are more established than Obi, IQ or RJ, but other than RJ, which I think RJ would just kind of be off the table anyway in this discussion. So let's just make it, you know, the zero in on Obi and IQ. You know, I think that Kuminga and Moody are still sort of enough of a mystery box that, you know, they can sell you more on like almost like a draft pick sometimes being more valuable than an actual player in a discussion. They could be like, but look at these little flashes from Kuminga, like, and he's a wing, you know, which is more valuable. Like if you could develop him into like a star wing, that's more valuable than, you know, a star forward or a star guard in most instances in the NBA, just because the wing is a rare breed of player. Um, or, you know, you could look at Moody and be like, look at how good this guy was in college. and He's a great shooter and blah, blah, blah. You know, not to say that, you know, it, the Knicks can't point to IQ or Obi and be like, hey, these guys have actually played really well in the NBA. Maybe take one of these two. <laughs> but also the Warriors have Wiseman too, that they're sitting on there that if they really wanted to pull out the, the big guns, they could be like, all right, James Wiseman. You know, Wiseman plus like Moody or something like that. That could probably be any deal that the Knicks could throw out there. Uh, at least any deal that the Knicks would care to make. Um, and the Warriors might just do that just to be like, you know what? You know, Miles Turner plus Draymond plus Steph plus, you know, uh, Wiggins and and all these other guys that are playing Clay. so well for us. Plus Clay Thompson coming back eventually. You know, that's a team that is as of right now has only lost what two games, three games all season four, maybe. Yeah. I would, I would do Wiseman for Turner in a second if I was. Oh, there. absolutely. You know, I wonder if maybe just for optics sake, golden state would falter, but ultimately they'd probably just be like, we don't care. We're going to go win a championship this year. And that solves everything. It makes everything worth it. Just ask beside Ujiri with Kawhi Leonard. Um, so, you know, I think that's maybe one of the teams that could potentially beat the Knicks, but by and large, yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be a huge amount of competition. I think one thing, and, you know, again, I sort of said maybe we'll get a someone who covers the Pacers more on to talk about this in a more general sense. But I wonder if if Turner can be not the first domino 
to fall with the Pacers like fire sale here. If that could help the Knicks get a better price, because I think what we normally see with these teams that go into fire sale mode is that they want the first domino to be the most explosive one, you know, that, that gets them the biggest return. And then you sort of catch them in this, like this, like post first trade bliss where they'll sort of just sell you other guys for a, a relatively low cost compared to what the first trade got. And so I wonder if maybe if like Sabonis, who I think should be the most desirable and should probably be the first guy if they try to get moved, because I think he would have probably the biggest market and the most people willing to pay a bunch for him. You know, if they can get Sabonis gone first and then work on Turner and Levert after that, then maybe the Knicks can kind of slide on in there and be like, okay, well, we'll take Turner then, you know, so just give it to us for, you know, Noel and <laughs> Grimes and Kemba or something. Uh, and, and a couple of, you know, these two surplus first round picks they, that we have, and maybe they'd be like, okay, cool. That's like a good deal. Cause now, you know, we get to do the Oklahoma city thunder thing. And after these few deals are over protections or not get to say like, look at us, we've got seven extra first round picks over the next four years or whatever. And, you know, feel really good about themselves. So. I yeah, guess we'll to be clear, it. like three first, like it would considering Grimes was just a first round pick, three first round picks for Miles Turner. That's like not, not like shabby. the ultimate low ball. That's like a pretty, pretty good deal for Miles Turner. Yeah. I think the only reason that it kind of comes across low ball is if you look at it objectively, yeah, yeah. all the protections, yeah. you know, that that Charlotte pick is very heavily protected. Like, so that's yeah. never going to be better than like the 18th overall pick or something. Yeah. But we're not here to be objective. We're here to get no, the next. We're here. We're yeah. here for optics to make, yeah. you know, Indiana think that they're doing something. So. Hopefully, uh, the Indiana front office listens to Locked On Knicks and uh, gets gets a. Hey, a good... Kevin Pritchard tweeted at a random writer the other day, so it, it is possible. There we go. We might be good here, um, but I'm going to take our our second break here real quick, so we can come back and talk about Ben Simmons, the big highlight. Uh, I, actually, I guess I more of a highlight, but less likely to happen. But anyway, we're still going to talk about it. But first, this episode is brought to you by Boost Mobile. You listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge, like us today dropping all this knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone, so you can listen to all of our latest episodes. The power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line, so your family can harness all that brain power too. And the power of one of America's largest 5G networks, so you can do it all at the speed of 5G. With all that money you'll save and all that knowledge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. You'd be surprised how powerful a bunch of Miles Turner trade knowledge can make you. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save Boost Mobile. Quick disclaimer, free phone is not limited to new free phone is limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage not available everywhere or for all phones or networks. See boostmobile.com for details. And we're back. Gavin, I'm going to present the Simmons news and then uh, throw it to you for a little little Simmons primer here. Because we had some – this one is the one where things are a little more nebulous. There's no rumored packages or anything here. So we're going to have to kind of like figure out our own comfort zone for what we'd be willing to get into the Ben Simmons sweepstakes with. But uh, a lead on an SNY article today is that Philadelphia 76ers star – Ben Simmons is on the Knicks' radar ahead of the trade deadline, reports SNY's Ian Bagley. Ian Bagley, as usual, is our superstar in this show when it comes to all the rumors around the Knicks. And then uh, per Sharania of The Athletic, 
Philadelphia is ramping up, quote unquote, efforts to, quote, spark multiple team scenarios for Simmons. Uh, and according to Shams, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, Indiana Pacers, Los Angeles Lakers, Minnesota Timberwolves, Portland Trailblazers, and Sacramento Kings are also interested in Simmons. So uh, that, you know, is a pretty robust list. Go figure. Simmons is very talented, albeit uh, a little uh, uh, out of favor with the Sixers, and and the Sixers are out of favor with him. So that's sort of, uh, you know, the fact that he has no tape for this year so far, the fact that there's very real concerns about some aspects of his game have dragged this process out. But Gavin, I'll throw it to you. I mean, where do you want to start this discussion about Simmons and about the potential viability for the Knicks uh, looking at him? Yeah, so what would what would Philly want is sort of where I'd want to dis- start the discussion because that was the debate you and I were having pre-show. And to me, I mean, Daryl Morey, I mean, he's built a career, for better or worse, on uh, constantly getting more talent, even if it's at the expense of chemistry. And the issue with this Ben Simmons situation is it's devolved so much and he so devalued himself by how he performed in last season's playoffs that that has become an increasingly difficult proposition to actually get an even more talented player because right now it's it's Maury trading the distressed asset instead of trading for the distressed asset as he typically does. And in turn, I mean, the the upside is sort of more of like a CJ McCollum is a name that we've heard thrown out a lot. Um, or you could look at maybe the Eastern Conference equivalent talent-wise of a CJ McCollum. Uh, maybe both guys would consider this an insult, but someone like Julius Randle. And I, I'm interested, I know you you kind of, uh, I'll, I'll let you expand your position more, but you kind of balked at that a little bit. When we talked about in our show, our, our pre-show, uh, I would personally be somewhat open to moving Randall for someone like Simmons. Obviously Simmons is on a bigger contract as bad as Randall was in the postseason last year. You can argue that Randall has more theoretical playoff viability than Ben Simmons does because the solution in the past has been obvious, just play off him and he will sort of destroy himself. The counter argument to that is Ben Simmons has put together some spectacular stretches in his career when he's been allowed to play without Joel Embiid. I mean, I I remember my all-time favorite stretch watching Ben Simmons, and like the only time I genuinely loved him as a player was that 17-18 season, I believe his rookie year. They ripped off a 15-game winning streak, and it was like Simmons and like Marco Bellinelli, J.J. Redick, Ursan Ilyasova, and and you just watch this guy. I mean, he he was playing like LeBron without a jumper, and the Knicks kind of have the personnel to give him the same sort of team, right? You could put him with IQ. You can throw Grimes out there. You could throw, I think it would revive Fournier a little bit. RJ, Deuce, Rose, Obi to some extent can stretch the floor. And you could have a really fun, very up-tempo team. Obviously, Simmons isn't going to hurt you defensively. Um, the only issue I see with this is I don't, I just can't imagine Tibbs saying, all right, I'm going to, like, he's not the coach to play Ben Simmons as his quote-unquote center. Um, and that would be problematic because you have Mitchell Robinson, you have Nerlens Noel, all of a sudden you have the same issues as you have with Embiid, but none of Embiid's talent. Of course, Simmons could one day, as I, I remember Jackie, um, uh, McMullen, uh, she constantly says this, like he could be a 36% three point shooter today if he wanted to, but he's quote unquote, such a perfectionist that that will just not happen. Um, maybe, maybe ever for Ben Simmons. And, and that is, that is always the question for him. Is he willing to shoot? It's not that he necessarily could never shoot. It's just that he doesn't want to, and and he would he would have to be able to do that in New York, and MSG might not be the stage for him to try that and look bad doing it. So there is there is an obvious counter argument there, but I would be okay making a package around Julius Randle because I think if you're the New York Knicks, it's an upside play, and you, you look at what you paid for Randle initially and and Simmons's pedigree. 
I think it's, I think at least on paper, it's an upgrade, but there's some re real questions, Alex, if in actuality, he would do any better than Randall has done um, struggling as the primary for the Knicks this year. Yeah. I think the biggest problem is, and I mean, we've talked about Randall's like attitude this year and, and how it's clearly been tough for him, how the team has been playing and everything else. I mean, Simmons has been on a perennial one, two, three seed, you know, with the Sixers playing with another all NBA MVP candidate on his team and yet is going through it right now and, and not feeling good about himself or about his team or anything else enough to like not be playing at the moment. And I think some of that has come from the rift that was created by like Doc Rivers kind of like publicly uh, getting after him a little bit and stuff like that. But you know, it, it there's factors at play as there is with with anything where I think from a basketball perspective, I really like how Simmons would fit with the Knicks from a personnel perspective, like from a, a personality and what he's shown in that regard perspective. I don't necessarily know that I would want him. I don't I wouldn't want to make a bet on him as like the star on the Knicks just because I kind of worry even though he's a guy that's sort of like what we talk about with RJ, where he's been, I mean, he was the number one guy in his class for so long. He was in the spotlight as like the number one, you know, player in his high school and college class. When is the number one overall pick? Like the pedigree's always been there. He clearly knows how to interact with the media and stuff like that, but it also clearly gets to him. And I don't think I would want him to be like the alpha on this team. That's why, like, I sort of feel like. And I mean, maybe you're just talking about pairing two imperfect players in that regard with how they handle things. But I think that I wouldn't want to bring Simmons here unless you could avoid trading Randall in the process and pair them together. Because I just feel like Simmons isn't like a, I wouldn't consider, maybe from a pure talent perspective, yes, but from a actualized talent perspective of what he's done so far in his NBA career, I don't think that I would view him as like a 1A building block that I would want to be the number one option on my team and invest that much, you know, that much in resources and, you know, time and then, you know, building around him, you know, trying to build a roster that you can compete with, with Ben Simmons as like your alpha. I just don't think I'll be into that idea. I think I would want to hold on to Randall and at least make sure I could have those two stars there. Uh, even if, I mean, I don't think I would trade rj in this scenario you know i think it would basically have to come down to like more he's asking price sounds ridiculous i mean he's saying that he wants basically an all-star caliber player roughly and picks and you know like another prospect or something and it's like dude you're trying to trade a guy whose value is at an all-time low you don't really get to set the price like that and i as you said i don't think more he's really used to being in that position because he's used to always winning his trades because he's always trading for guys that are like Simmons. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether it's James Harden or, um, you know, Chris, Chris Paul. Paul. Yeah, exactly. Russell like Westbrook. He, yeah. Westbrook. You know, he's always trading for the guy that's on his way out. Although you could argue he definitely overpaid for Westbrook, but I don't think, I think that was a Tillman for Cheetah trade, but yeah. Yeah, that's true too. But, you know, I, I kind of just think like he's going to have to adjust his asking price at some point. And if his asking price eventually softens enough to where he could be convinced, like, all right, dude, like we'll give you the picks, you know, we'll give you the two surplus picks that we have. Plus maybe you even throw a third one in there, you know, like a protected pick down the line or something. And you say, okay, there you go. There's your picks. 
and you know we can give you not another star but some players that can really fit well on your team so you can get like Alec Burks and Evan Fournier who obviously hasn't played well this year but in theory would be a really good fit on the Sixers just kind of like we thought he would be a good fit on the Knicks which obviously hasn't worked out but like you know you can get these two guys that can play for you and and do things that you really need out of your out of your players you know around Joel Embiid uh as well as like you know maybe try to convince them on Kemba Walker be like hey you know your team might be a little better equipped to deal with his defensive shortcomings than we were you know considering you have like Danny Green on the roster and obviously Embiid where you have a working system with him as your rim protector which the Knicks just haven't really had this year um stuff like that you know he if you could swing a deal with something like that where it's three of the vets on the Knicks, then maybe maybe they have to try to talk like Obi out of it or something. That's where I'd maybe start. I mean, you kind of have to just based off the fact that that's like what that would be the way to make the trade package work. But um, if it started, you know, oh, I lost Gavin. Uh, the, the, the stage is all mine now. Um, anyway. <laughs> I'll just say, you know, I, I think if it if it boiled down to something like that, I'd be all right with it, um, you know, and and I'd be OK with with making that deal um, and uh, and making that whole thing happen. Gavin, you're back. I said, yeah, I was looking for Ben Simmons. I couldn't find him. <laughs> anyway, Gavin, you're back. Um, <laughs> I finished up my little monologue there by basically just saying I would need the price to go lower than Julius Randle and the Sixers would have to be OK with getting mostly picks a combination of vets and maybe they could pry like Obi from my cold dead hands since you are getting uh, ultimately a an all-star a potential all defense potential all nba type player if everything pans out in return so i don't know what do you think about that um and i guess what if you're going to build your ideal package what would it be for simmons maybe we can close on that yeah sure um i think i'm i'm like less opposed to giving up I don't know. Well, here's like, can I, I'll throw something back at you. Would you rather give up RJ or Randall in his Simmons trade? Uh, God, if I had to, yeah, I mean, it really stings. It would from, from my perspective as the Knicks GM talking to Maury, I would be like, look, if you're going to insist on one of those two, you're going to get a lot less in the draft compensation and other vets that you want. But I would probably go RJ if I'm being completely honest, just because, I think you would want to maximize what you have with Randall, who is still clearly a very good player. And and you'd also want to maximize what you're getting with Simmons. And I think down the line, RJ is less of a sure thing right now to be able to like, let's say a year or two from now, if you wanted to get another star, I think Randall would probably be more useful as a more established player. If he can maintain sort of what he's been doing, even at a reduced rate, than RJ who, as of right now, is still a mystery box. And like, if things don't pan out for him, his value is going to go down exponentially, you know, as each year ticks away on his rookie contract. Uh, and, and he's due for a payday, like literally this summer. So he's going to be on a rookie extension soon too. Um, so I think I'll probably go with RJ because I, I think his value relative to where it might be by like this time next year or something is probably higher uh, right now than Randall's. I don't think there will be as much of a drop off going forward. Yeah, I almost... I think I would disagree, but only because I think you have to take the swing that there's more there for RJ and that you, him and Simmons could grow together and be something because with Randall, you're, you're pretty capped, right? Like him and Simmons together is like probably a team that loses in like five games in the second round. And, and to your point, maybe, maybe that gets the third star there, 
or maybe it doesn't with RJ. Like I think I would almost embrace the upside of that mystery box. I am wary about how much they're going to pay him. I think I can't remember if it was in the athletic or somewhere else, but there's some report that like the minimum that that would start with is probably four years for 90 million, like the McKill bridges contract, but that is a entirely different conversation. So I would, I would build the trade package around Julius Randall and say, Hey, your Randall's like right around the best talent you're going to get, even though he's grossly underperforming this year. So we will throw in Kemba Walker to help you right now. And we'll throw in a, a couple of those first round picks. I wouldn't even say someone like Grimes. Like I would kind of hold firm there and say like, you know what, if you can do better, let us know. And then maybe we'll, we'll talk it through a little bit more. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated from Philly's perspective, like just how much Randall would appeal to them because you could, you could kind of look at it the other way and say like Randall does is they're not winning the East with, with just adding Julius Randall and Kemba Walker this year. So I, I, and I think Maury is backed up into a place where if I were him, the move would be to, again, I mean, I don't know why we keep talking about Jonathan Kuminga so much on this podcast, but I would be going for someone like that. Like I would be going for a young guy who maybe in two years is the player around Embiid, but you're not getting someone with that present value that could help Embiid win a title right now either way. And also if you're the Knicks looking at it from their perspective, you could be looking at this whole situation and just saying, you know what, let's just hop into the Simmons situation insofar as driving up his value, but not so far as actually trading for him because we want the big fish and we want to get Leon Rose's ex-client Joel Embiid in a couple years when the Sixers struggle minus Simmons and whoever they manage to get and trade for him. And, you know, maybe when the these picks start kicking in, Maury might say, you know what, I guess we'll just go into a rebuild and, and sell off Embiid as well and see where that can get us because none of my big swings have really turned this team into a true contender. So, Maybe we'll see. Maybe that's the situation that the Knicks can find themselves in if they play their cards right here. All that is to say, though, intriguing situation. We'll see what happens. Uh, but I think we could probably sign off this episode because there's not too much more to talk about with Simmons until something a little more credible comes up. Unless you had any final thoughts here, Gavin. No, um, I, I I took my trip to, to run the trade machine and I couldn't find anything else, Alex. So we'll, right. we'll call it right there. All right. Well. This has been Locked on Knicks. We will be back. Uh, actually, Gavin will be back probably solo recapping the uh, Steph Curry record-breaking breaking performance, probably lost for the Knicks. And then uh, we'll have some great other shows for you guys coming up the rest of this week. So until next time, thanks for listening. Peace out. Sub on YouTube if you haven't already. Talk to you all soon.